this is the Cheat Notes podcast where we go behind the scenes and we go deep into what it's like being a creative of color in a very white industry. So uh, today, uh, today's guest is uh, a person I've been knowing since <laughs> undergrad. And I'm going to tell you how I, I met him. Uh, first of all, I met him because when I was an undergrad, I used to cut hair. <laughs> and uh, that's how <laughs> that's how I made my money. And I, I don't think I don't think you really know this. Uh, you you know you're the reason why I started film. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I always tell people this story, and it's it's not it's. I'm gonna tell you the reason why. Well, anyway, this is Jaron Smalls. Are you uh, on Facebook? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. What's the call? You got a whole bunch of that. Todd. What, what, what? It's Mike. It's, it should be Mike Thomas on Facebook. Mike. Oh, Thomas. Mike. Yeah, I got it. But anyway, so I met Jaron in undergrad during uh, uh, my when I when I transferred to Prairie View. I had transferred to Prairie View, so I met him, and I was cutting hair, and that's how I met him. He was the SGA president. Yep. But people don't under people don't know that he's the reason why I started uh, doing film. I had no idea I was the reason why you started doing. Let me tell you why. Okay, it's a funny reason why. Do you remember the time when I? Okay, so you remember I had a clothing line, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know lick of film or photography or anything like that. So, I, so what I did was I bought it. Remember we did the barter system. Yeah. Where I cut you, I cut your hair, and I will wear some of your stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. and you wear some of my stuff, and you shoot me some videos, and you yep. shot me, you shot me that that. You remember you shot that one video. Oh, you, it's on it's on YouTube. It's oh, funny God. as hell. Oh, so, so you shot that one video. No. But after that, it was hard to get the hold of your ass. Hey man, I started. <laughs> hey bro, you started doing. So I was like, you know what? If this nigga Jared don't want to do my shit. I would just start doing my shit myself. <laughs> so I picked up. Yeah, a, so, crazy. so I picked up a camera. So technically, it was kind of in in a spiteful way. Pretty much. Yeah, it Dang. was pretty much. Pretty much. I was like, but you want because uh, Mike was supposed to take my photo. And he didn't do it, so I, I said oh, the same man. thing. It was it was cool, and, and I'm a creative person anyway. Yeah. So it it really wasn't I, after I, after I got used to it, you know, I just I kind of like fell in love with it. So it kind of like even it even took the front seat from design because that's what I was doing as well. Yeah. It even took the front seat from design. But anyway, so that that's pretty much how uh, you inspired me <laughs> to do <Okay>. film. <laughs> okay. So. This podcast is pretty much about giving people tips and practical advice on how to achieve uh, their goals. Okay. You've done that. But before we get into the practical advice, mm-hmm. I definitely want to know what drives you to do what you do. Because, you know, since I've known you, you've consistently done things around, you know, building platforms for people uh, and so I, I definitely want to know what drives you to do what you do. Even, you know, from when you was an undergrad and you, you know, became yeah. SGA president, like, and, you know, like you've always assumed, you've always tried to assume leadership. And even if it just, it was just, it, it was, it came natural to you. But like I said, you've always been a, a, for other people. Right. So, I mean, to be honest with you, it was, I was that kid. I struggled in high school. Um, with my standardized test and I have the cliche two household village church. My boy Scott Troop was at my church. Like, you know, I had the surrounding of people to like really help me. 
right? I had a family to say I've seen 34 years now of marriage. Both my grandparents on both sides are married. You know, I've never seen quitting in, in like, real life. So when I was going through my situation in high school about the test and I, I like I lost my scholarships to play basketball, all stuff like that. And then I went from a kid like I couldn't get into school to getting into one, which is preview. And I feel like I got like a second chance. Like literally like, man, okay, God was like, hey man, listen, I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you stay here, but you gotta, you know, you gotta do something. So I got involved my sophomore year, because a freshman, I was a true freshman. I was going to class, going back to my room, going to parties. That's all I did. <laughs> then I realized I'm like, yo, this is not can I cuss? Yeah. This shit ain't free. And I'm just like, somebody paying for this. I'm like, all right. So and at the time, it was my parents. You know, so I'm over here like, all right, man, I got to figure something out. I got in, I got involved. I got an SGA. I was a senator over athletics because I was just like, okay, I'm basketball. It makes sense, yada, yada. But I was a comm major, and I kind of just started seeing how the department at the time didn't have things that I feel like sufficed me for the major I was putting my money into, especially because from the high school I came from, um, I was in the media academy. So I was already ahead of most kids when they got to PV because of the academy I was in high school. So I became a senator over communications. So I'm like, okay, we need, we need uh, new computers. We got old editing and stuff. Like, this is whack. And that transitioned to me running for president, like, the next, my junior year. And I won. And, like. It was that simple. I mean, bro, I ain't going to lie to you, bro. I feel like God has definitely been watching over me for a long time. Yeah. And he's definitely been blessing me to do the things that I've been doing because I don't have, a, I don't know, bro. It's like I have an idea, and I was telling my girlfriend this the other day. I was like, I can literally make my thoughts physical. Yeah, I have the same thing. Yeah, that that in that right there, you know, you know what that's called. You you're an outlier. Okay. And I was telling, uh, I was telling, uh, I had a conversation the other day. I was telling people like, <clears throat> in school, there are three type of students. Mm -hmm. There's the students that don't need to be there mm -hmm. in college. Mm -hmm. Then there's the students that need a push somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then there's the students that they're going to do well with or without your support. You're that student. And I always tell people, teachers, sometimes schools hang on to the students that are going to do well with or without your support. But see, I didn't know that. No, but you know, it, it's just in you. It's yeah. not. It's, it's nothing. It's not, it, it, you don't really figure that out until you look back at your life and you realize everything that you've ever wanted to do so far, you've manifested. Yeah. And that, and once you realize the power in that, and you've realized that power. So you yeah. wake up and you so you probably can go in a room full of people that got way more money than you and feel very comfortable, right? Oh, absolutely. Exactly. I'm telling you, I I, I understand exactly where you're coming from because once you realize you have that that type. Of power mm -hmm. is like it's not a matter of if anymore it's just only a matter of when oh yeah absolutely and then the thing is they can feel it too mm -hmm. they know it like yeah. now that i realize that at 29 i'm like oh i got real juice yeah like real real no for sure for sure and i see it i i, I definitely have seen the growth in in and what you've and what you've became in the, the growth in you as a person period yeah you know what i'm saying and that right there like i was telling jl malone the other day like we got to give each other props and flowers while we're here yeah. and understand that you know you know we we get inside this bubble of excellence mm -hmm. where we think everybody is just 
achieving what they want to achieve. And we have to realize. No one's not. <laughs> no one's not. No one's not. No one's not. And so whatever accomplishment that you do make, you definitely got to give yourself a pat on the uh, on the back. Yeah. And then, you know, you got to acknowledge people when you do see them do great things, especially if you know them, yeah. you know, and give them a pat on their back. So with the. I don't want to start with reading with a rapper, okay? Because that's the it's it's on fire, bro. That's the best one. Yeah, a lot that's of people. The, that's, that's the but one. But people, yeah, but people don't know the other stuff. Yeah, the stuff that led up into like yeah, reading with a rapper. The, yeah, that's that's yeah. the uh, the bricks, the foundation yeah. that led to reading with a rapper. Yep. Like, talk about a couple of those things that led to reading with a rapper. So, upon me graduating from PV um, with my business partner now, Douglas Johnson, and Julius Burchett, we all met at PV. We started a nonprofit called Legends Do Live, where our mission was to fund and equip disadvantaged youth and communities through workshop programs and events. So we wanted to make sure that we can help and impact kids that we were at that age, right? And so we started like, how can we do it? My whole vision was like, I want to create like a digital like network to where like you can go, and I can, not like a Netflix, but like you can go somewhere and see content of people in a positive way. And so we start interviewing a lot of our friends and what they were doing and getting their unique stories, trying to get people to understand, like, you don't have to be super famous or you don't have to be 45 to be a legend. You can be a legend at 13, 10, 21, whatever, in whatever respect that you're doing. But we have to show people that those people exist. So we went from interviewing, like, somebody that's just a regular smuggler person a politician, a rapper, or a doctor, they're all the same person. They all have a unique story. They all struggled to do something. They all made a decision. And so we went from doing those interviews to where we got to David Banner, then we got to Kevin Hart, and just like kind of like organically just start happening from things that God was like already. See, the thing about it, God lines stuff up before you already know it's coming. And it'll come back around. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. that makes sense why that. Like, <laughs> yeah. So the reason why I got to Kevin Hart is because I interned for the city. And it was just like, it just came back. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, took, we started taking those interviews to schools to show them, to have discussions around them. And we were doing that for like two years. And then we started saying, okay, what else can we do? So we created a festival called Senior Fest, where it's literally like a South by Southwest for graduating seniors. Yeah. Well, we bring in a lot of resources and money and things like that for them to have. But we start seeing, like, throughout that, we start seeing how, like, literacy was just horrible. Like, bad. I'm talking about these are high school kids reading on the third and fourth grade. Level. Yeah, and they stop accelerating reading at eighth grade. Like, yeah. you don't even have it in ninth and twelfth. Yeah. I never understood that. I never understood that at all. Yeah, so, literally, bro, reading with the rappers was created last year. Yeah, I know. It's been, it's, it's been a full year now. We started in August, and we did over 10,000 kids last year. Because in a good light, it was like, man, your impact is dope. But at the same time, it's, it's showing you how many kids that need it, mm-hmm. which is a problem in itself. So it's like you hear the numbers, you're like, oh, you, you impacted 10,000 kids, but it's 10,000 kids that came. <laughs> so it's just like, man, it's like a good and a bad feeling at the same time. Um, but it's like... And how I, how I even got the idea for it, like, I was literally, I had quit my, my corporate job March 2018, and I was starting to get to where I had my savings. I got, I kind of got through my savings. Then I started using my credit cards. And so I was really, like, at my lowest point. 
going into the summer, even though I had did senior fest and I did the events with the, with the Rockets and all the stuff like that, I was like at my lowest point after that. And I started working this summer job at PV. So I was literally driving from Mo City to PV every day, mm -hmm. summer camp. And I was watching this interview of, uh, I forgot the station, but they were interviewing the Migos. And they made them read a, a Dr. Seuss book, but they had to rap. Yeah. So Lama and Pajete was doing the whole thing. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is a thing. <laughs> like, this is a real thing. How can we really, like, figure this out? And make it like because they did it too natural and like yeah. it was just too perfect. And I went to some alumni that are um, actual ELA teachers. I'm like, hey, I got this idea, but I need to make sure that it works in a school frame because if I don't, they're gonna tell me no. As soon as you hear rappers content, you can be like, uh, uh, no, I don't want to yeah. talk about none of that. So we actually created an actual eight week after school program that teaches kids how to read and write through rap lyrics, content, and tech. So how can we put everything that our culture loves into a classroom to teach kids? So that's why we say bringing culture to the classroom because it's something that we are organically already love and do already. Yeah, exactly. It's the frequency. And so my thing was like, it's not about what they're getting, it's about how we're giving it to them. We receive information differently when we were younger, and that's why stuff connected with us. But we can't give 2020 kids 1960 stuff like yeah. it just it education work. is just super outdated like the, the way the way that things are taught it's just super outdated and i applaud you for being a creative person yeah and like thinking outside of the box and i think that's the reason why i have you on this platform because for some odd reason <laughs> the thing that you're doing people don't think it can happen it can happen it's so simple it doesn't make sense but i mean but this is the thing like i was talking like i talked to kids all the time and it's about exposure yeah. i tell people i didn't know graphic design as a profession existed yeah until i became one right but but you had to i mean you saw that but like now it's like your part is to go back and show people no yeah that that's the reason why i i mean i went to my uh home i went to my hometown two weeks ago with my book signing and uh i'm going back in the, in the uh in the spring to talk to a, a bunch of more kids and that stuff is important because yeah. if you don't know these things exist, you never know. You'll, you'll never, never know. Like on. that's the reason why I started and this. That was the whole reason why we started Senior Fest. It's like when we do the empowerment forum, we bring in people that look like them, that are young, that are doing some super, super crazy exactly. stuff. Exactly. Like the first Senior Fest we had, our keynote speaker was Jerron Smith, which is like a close friend of mine now. But he was the, the digital director for the White House. So anytime Obama tweeted, it was Jerron. Jerron was 30. And, and, and students, kids probably had no, didn't, had no idea that no this type idea. of job right. exists. So you see a black man that's 30, and before he got that job, he was the Nike and Jordan brand manager. Like now, today, Jerron is the CMO for Steph Curry, Inc. You see? Jerron's 32. That, that type of, those type of things exist. I was, uh, I, there's a guy uh, by the name of Jermaine. He, uh, he, uh, He's a designer from Longview, Texas, mm -hmm. and uh, he follows me and him follow each other. And I was telling him he's doing some dope. He's done some ridiculous dope stuff for Netflix, all the movie, all the uh, movie companies mm -hmm. out there in LA. He's doing some dope stuff. Don't, not one child probably knows in Longview, Texas, that he exists. Right, and that really that really bothers me. Right, and that's the reason why I do so much because 
like we gotta continue you're doing a good job and i'm trying to do my best but we have to continue to tell people and tell kids and tell young adults that these are viable ways out and whether you like it or not what you're doing is art oh yeah absolutely you know like and i always tell people like there's money in art right because at the end of the day like you get to put a price on what you want what you want that to be and you and you're doing philanthropy at the same time and Mm -hmm. social entrepreneurship literally is 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 blowing up right now but it's been a thing to do those things and And people gotta understand yeah i'm doing philanthropy but philanthropy makes money no Tons of churches. Yeah, we're not going to even get into all that. That's another thing that even I try to get a lot of my friends that have for profits. I'm like, yo, I can probably make the same amount of money and pay no taxes. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and and do good. Right, and, and do good and, in the world and, and give back. And and so you you covered all uh, you covered yeah. morally, financially, yeah. mentally, and it's something that I've been hip on for so long. That most people are like yo, how's he like? Most corporations not gonna want to do nothing with you if you're not a. You know, I, I found that out when I threw my festival for three years straight and yeah. had to had to dig deep for that yeah. money, man. Yeah, I had to dig deep for that money, and I'm like, dang, like yeah. I, but giving, see, like in my age bracket and what I do, especially everybody not like doing what I do is not popular. It is like it's popular from afar. Majority of the people that are for profits that do stuff, they all call me. Yeah, and they talk, but it's like in the in the actual forefront of stuff. Doing the work, doing yeah. the work is not popular. It's do, not popular. The, yeah, but they want to when I like when the pictures go up. Oh yeah, no, when they like, see oh, you with me, God, Neil, and yeah. I, yo, that's 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 popular. But I definitely understand. Like like I'm, I see art, I see business as an art, so I understand that you know, the the work that goes behind. Yeah. To get anything to where it's at, I understand that. So, with that being said, like, what are the, if you could give a person some practical advice, mm-hmm. first of all, like, how how long does it take to even get a nonprofit to even get? You that? can start a nonprofit tomorrow. That's not hard. It's about getting the the status of tax exemption. So, how long does that take, and what do you have to do? Um, well, you have to create. You have to have bylaws. So, like, even with the nonprofit, I have to get a lawyer, create the structure of the board, my bylaws, send that to the state. They have to approve all that. And then I have to apply for my tax exemption. And before you do that, you're paying your franchise tax to the state, which is like 150 over. Yeah, I pay franchise taxes all right. the time. And so until I had to do the exemption part, I couldn't get exempt Well, until I applied to get out of that. But it took just like maybe like a good year because, to be honest with you, we ain't know what we was doing. We just know we want to help people. And we just knew like nonprofit was like the the best way, but we didn't know the actual technical parts of how that can help you business wise, structure wise. So we learned that over time. So it took us longer than it can. But if you have a lawyer and a CPA and stuff like that, it could take you maybe a year, a full year to maybe really get started. Less than that. So you just set up the structure what you you had a, a LLC first mm-hmm. or a DBA or you just had a yeah, DBA? We had a, we had a DBA, but no, we opened up Legends Do Live as a nonprofit. Like legit went to the her and the craziest part I came out relationship like the the lawyer at the time is so crazy the lawyer at the time that did all the work for us she's now one of the eleven judges for Harris County so how, how much does she cost 
I mean, I ain't gonna put a price out like that. That was like a long just time a, ago. Just a rough estimate. Like, well, for me, it was a different price because, again, uh, okay, just based off your oh, your professional judge, how much you think a lawyer so would cost? Sometimes lawyers go off like they may do a hundred, two hundred an hour, depending on you know what you're going. So that just depends on how long it takes for that person to do it. But I mean, it shouldn't be anywhere more than. It's definitely under like a thousand dollars. Okay, it's, it's definitely under that for sure. To get that, to get everything really going. All right, the right way. The right, no, the right, the way. right way. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's definitely there. But I like again, my relationships with her when she was running for positions when I was at PV, I, I was shooting videos for her. No, she for sure, it's it's about networking. Man, it's like, bro, she remembered me. So when I came back, like, yo, this is what I'm doing. She's like, bro, I got you. I still paid her something, but she's like, I got you. And now she's one of the judges for Harris County. So like, I can literally just call her, like, yo. So, can you explain to me, like you, you, you know, you, you have a great relationship with people. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you always, uh, you always, be, and that's how you get things done, correct? Yeah, I, I know everybody, bro. No, for sure. And I, I mean, I really thought I knew everybody, but no, you really know everybody. I'm, a, I'm either I directly know you, or I'm one or two people away from like. Yeah, for sure. Put my hand. And so, explain to us how important that is when it comes to relationships because some people that want to run nonprofits want to be super introverted and not mingle with people like how can somebody like really get past it if they uh, introvert and they just want to do what they want to do and they don't really want to literally i had this problem now i don't have this problem but literally uh we might have a my agency might have a nonprofit client and that's one of her problems Mm. is she want to be behind the scenes and she's a, she, she, it, does she be the spokesperson of, of the, of the nonprofit or does the, the person that starts the nonprofit has to, because she don't want to do it. And we telling her like, you know, I mean, to raise so money. It, with, with having a nonprofit relationships are probably the most important thing. But at the same time, I don't run my business like a nonprofit. I run it like an actual for-profit. Um, my marketing is crazy. My relationships are even more better, but I'm, the face of the company because at the end of the day when it comes to people and I think that's just in general now and I think I was ahead of that before like social media really started getting into it like that but even from like my girlfriend she's an artist I don't want to call her like a singer so she's just like an overall artist but I tell her all the times like yo people want to know about you mm-hmm. so it's easy to buy into a brand when they know the person behind the brand so when people know me and know what I stand for and my values and if I come out and say hey this is what I'm doing I need help it's not hard because they know who I really am as a person versus me just saying, this is my <clears throat> nonprofit and this is our mission. That's cool, but it's a lot of nonprofits with the same mission. Mm-hmm. You know, but what makes sure stand out and more unique? And I put myself out there. And uh, everybody that's part of the, the, our nonprofit is out there. So, know, I, so, how, <clears throat> so how, do you, how does your, uh, and I'm pretty sure you probably say the same thing, but how... Your, your nonprofit deals with brands and it deals with uh, uh, institutions of high, uh, not high learning, but uh, educational institutions. Those are two, and, and both of them are since they have, they are sensitive uh, subjects. Not sensitive subjects, but like you can't just do anything when you attach yourself to it's Microsoft. Ah, uh, yeah. Or you can't nah, go when you attach yeah. yourself to Houston, city of Houston. Like, yeah. you have to keep, like, but see, that's the thing. It's not as complex as what you might think. Mm-hmm. Because I think because of social media, like even with Microsoft, I approached Microsoft about reading with a rapper because 
I knew that they have higher educational values, but people of color don't buy Microsoft. Mm-hmm. That's just straight business. I'm like, okay, if you want us to come in here and buy something, they got to give us something. Got to be a give and take. All Apple did was take our culture and put it around tech. Yeah, cool. pretty much. Yeah, and We just bought it because it was cool. Yeah, not for sure. For so I'm sure. like, yo, if Microsoft, if you can do the same thing but still keep your structure as who you are as an educational, the philanthropy, like, I don't win. It was a simple, nobody, their foot traffic in the store, we don't come in that store demographically. Yeah. So let me do an event here. Give me, a, give me your worst day. And let me do an event here. They was like, all right, we give you a Thursday. That was my first event for Reading Rapper at the Microsoft store. I packed it out. They was like, oh, okay. How many times did you do that there? Um, well, last year, you probably did it maybe like five or six times. Five or like, six times. People ask, what was your first event? It was literally the Microsoft store. So how do you approach the rappers? So with the rappers, um, these are people over time I've built relationships with. I've been knowing for a long time. So I used to shoot music videos. So, like, I've been knowing him for so long, it was just more of a, like, one, as a rapper, especially, like, locally here in Houston, they don't have that many platforms to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, like, if I approach it, like, yo, let's talk about your album in the Microsoft store. It's not a hard sell. Because, yeah. like, that's exposure for you. Yeah, it's, you, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Enough pla- and, and creatively, like. Creatively. And, it's, and the thing is, it's not about paying them and doing that. But if they are looking for outlets to put their stuff out, they're for just sure. as hungry. So if I can create it, so the thing with reading rappers, like I looked at two sides. I'm like, okay, how can I affect the education space? But how can I affect this music space? So me having schools, right, is done strategically. It's always been strategic because that means I have, my biggest thing I always wanted to do was have generational influence. I didn't really care about money. I, didn't, I, I, want, I just want generation Because if, if I can control a group of people, then I have way more power than what you might think your money does. Yeah, yeah, money, uh, money comes and goes. I've right. learned that. Like, right. I mean, it comes and it goes. You can make a lot of money now, it, it and, gone. and it's gone. Like it, it, inflation. Like yeah. the more money you make, the the more you gotta like get to protect it yeah. and save it. Like so, when th- I approach an artist, it's like, hey, I'm gonna have eleven schools. Let's say 50 kids each school studying your whole album for two months. Yeah. They've never even heard your music. Them kids gonna grow up and start in and and nah, that's that's real. That's 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 uh, exposure that they're not gonna get. And so like what what we're doing even now when it comes to like the streaming part of the music, right? How we we're literally about to integrate music into school, into education. Like literally, like your homework is to go home and go stream somebody's music for your homework so you're literally making them money but then i'm getting you to do what you do and so like i'm getting you to buy not the school not the kids but the district per se to buy profiles on let's say just a, a random streaming platform like spotify right mm-hmm. i can go to i can go through my lifestyle and say hey in order for the program they they all need to have spotify profiles i've literally just made spotify no money. for sure for sure like it wasn't like that, yeah, literally, and I'm integrating them to these kids in fourth grade, so they might keep their Spotify account for the rest of their lives. So the no, money yeah. I ask, habits, for, creature of habits. Right. So, so the yeah. money I ask for Spotify to give me, it justifies for their return on their investment. Mm-hmm. I'm literally giving them users. So is this a? Is this, are you on live right now? What about the 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 big announcement for tomorrow? Oh yeah, man. So we we 
Reading with a Rapper started last year, and we just closed a deal with a school district here in Houston. So we're about to be in nine middle schools in top 2020. That's dope, right? bro. So, like, this is the first district, all Dean ISD. So y'all going to be like a, a official after-school program official. for a district. That is nine, lit. For nine middle schools. So we literally now have integrated hip-hop into education. Like literally. That is dope, bro. And I, even though they were saying that, I don't think people really understand no, no, no. Like how big that really is. For one, it's big because you're black. <laughs> <laughs> it's big because you're young. You're, you're yeah. not even 30 yet. I'll be next year. I know you'll be 30 next yeah. year because I'll be 30 next year. <laughs> so I know that. But it, it's big because, like, you manifested something in a year. Yeah. That's big. Like, like people. And I did that not because of me. It was because of literally everybody on that team. Like, I approached, and that's the thing, too. Like, I'm the kind of person, like, I'm, I don't go out that much, but I'm very, I'm, I may not be out in the public, but I'm out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm very observant, so I'm studying people. Yeah. And so when I was building the, the this part of the company, I'm like, okay, I know the right people I want to build around. Yeah. You know, you know, one thing about you and, and uh, I, the reason why I've gravitated uh, toward, toward you and it's because you've always tried to have a team. Mm -hmm. In the same, in the same way I have. Mm -hmm. And because... We both know that it's just no it's way. Impossible. It's It's just, it's no way you're going to do it on your own. Right. And once you know that and you get your ego out the way, you realize, you realize that you, you really, and, and you get stuff done faster and you yep. get stuff done quicker. And I say it in my book. I always tell people you have to carpool your dreams. Mm. So if everybody's going to the same spot, mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for us yeah. to get into different cars and use gas and yep. all the extra stuff. It just doesn't, it never made sense to me. So I've always attempted yeah. Or had a team around me, mm -hmm. and even a team out right now that I have. Like we, like when I get projects from people, I could do it on my own. Yeah. But some people, I want to develop skills. So when we do get huge projects, I don't have to go outside. Yeah, I always knew I couldn't do it on my own. Yeah. Like the visions I, I had and stuff that I wanted to do, it was too big mm -hmm. to, for me to do it by myself. And I think people are naturally attractive to progressive things so the more and more like you said earlier my track record people it, it wasn't hard for me to come to somebody like hey yeah no because they know you're a doer yeah no no i get it i'm telling yeah. you we like uh the same thing happened to me it's not hard to galvanize people right around because they look at your results but you better deliver if they jump no for sure wagon with you like no for sure team. so anybody listening if you got a team like i do not ask them to do anything that I wouldn't do, yeah, I pay them. Yeah, no one does anything on there and does not get paid from the person picking up the supplies to the person taking pictures. They all getting paid. I always tell people this, and even my interns, I tell them this. I and I and I don't pay my interns, but what I won't do is put them in a financial bind. So I'm not finna not give you gas money. I'm not finna yeah. not yeah. Uh, pay for your food, and I'm not finna not make sure you good. Like yeah. you know, my interns. I mean, they, they don't they don't get paid, but it, it, I'm, that's the honest truth. Like, yeah. but I also give them jobs like like what that I don't want. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so it's like. I don't like it's, it's about exposure because at the same time when you're building your team if you if I can for so for instance like one of the one of the people I have on in the family with us she's really been in the music industry for a long time yeah like her friend was Solange mm -hmm. like, it's like like she can literally like she's literally just go over her house and Beyonce like oh that's like her friend 
So for me, it's like, okay, how can I put you in a position to where you can thrive in what you love to do? Yeah. Right? I mean, so if you can do that, it doesn't even feel like work. And it's not, it's not about the money so much. It's about what am I contributing to life at the end of the day? And it, you have to strategically find those people. And that goes with losing people. Because when we first started Legend to Live, we had like 20 people. Mm-hmm. And it's like now it's maybe like it's not even eight of us, ten of us. No, it happens. And, and you yeah. can't even. I have to tell people when I first started my company, I started at a prayer view. Uh, and I set six people down. Yeah. And I said, this is what we can do since no one's going to hire us to do yeah. what we love to do. And you can, like, you want to do PR? You can do PR. We can go out there and find these companies and do it and then start off small. I told them the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, no, none of them stayed, of course. Mm-hmm. But that's fine because they were young and I was the only one that really knew exact. I knew that advertising, marketing, that was what I was like destined Niche. for yeah i knew that for a fact so i mean i don't blame them but like like i said like you definitely will outgrow people i i, I, I outgrew those clients i i no longer have none of those type of clients anymore but like i mean just making a valid effort to create a team mm. and to develop help develop people and you develop yourself uh, that that stuff is important, and I, I I've definitely noticed that uh, about about you and everything you do, and I think that attributes uh, to your success, obviously. Um, so, with that being said, like, what is that? So you got reading with a rapper, mm-hmm. and how how that Mick, how that Meek Mill situation came about? All right, so the Meek Mill situation was hella strategic. Um, when we started reading rapper, mind you, we started reading rapper in August. And we started doing, like, we did the like first, like, little mini tour um, starting in October. And my head, I was like, yo, I want to get a really big artist. Like, I knew I, I knew it was, like, reading with a rapper was, like, one artist away from just, because even though Microsoft was involved, and City was involved here and there, nobody really truly believed in it yet because it just, it's just one of them things. Yeah. So they loved the cause, but I knew I need to have a really big rapper. And so with Meek, I was seeing how he had just got out of prison and he announced his tour and he was coming to Houston. So I saw the date that he was coming to Houston for it in 2019, in 2018. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, all right, I got to find a way to get to meet. Because the hard part is, I've learned when I was doing stuff at PV Book and stuff, is just getting the artist. Yeah. He's already going to be here. So mm-hmm. like, okay, let me figure out how I can make this happen. So my friend, he's the owner of HBCU Buzz. His name is Luke. And he called me. This is how God works, bro. The universe will literally will things into you once you put it out there with like what just with all positive energy. So I said I wanted to do that. He calls me. He's like, bro, uh, Meek is getting ready to do his album. He wants to have a band play his stuff. Me having the relationship I have with Preview, I can literally just call the band. I'm like, hey, this is what we need to do. I'm about to connect y'all. Have at it. They did the project. They did the song. But I said, look, this is what I need. I need you to connect me with whoever is at Atlantic for me just to present reading with a rapper. Because I know once they see it, they wanna, they're going to want to do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so he, he gave me the email. He introduced me to him. His name is Jordan Chalmers. Never forget it. Sent him, sent him the whole little situation. Maybe like two or three days go by. He didn't say nothing. I'm like, man, I don't know. A week went by. He emailed me back. He's like, yo, they want to do it. That's lit. And I got on the phone with him. And then I got on the phone with his manager. 
And then that's how I got to Rock Nation because Meek is signed to Rock Nation for management. Mm -hmm. And so we went through the whole ideal. I went, my uh, my homeboy, he has a nonprofit called Kicks for the City. He's based in Chicago. He has this big sneaker bar called Agora. It's like a private sneaker bar. Like you can only get invited to it. But every real sneakerhead and executive is all there. They're sneakers. So I called him because I knew that he had a situation with Puma. And I was like, bro. Remember you told me about old boy? Because you're talking about doing a Houston chapter and his friend from Puma had just came down. So I'm like, you remember the old boy from Puma you told me about? He's like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And this is how I, I not barter, but like I strategically, like, hey, I already got Meek. I need Puma now because I already had the big fish. Mm-hmm. Because most times the corporation is going to be like, well, do you have X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So when I'm like, I already have Meek. He's, he's ready. I need Puma to step in, so I want to give kids the Puma reform shoes. So I really set up the whole play for me to even look good in that situation. Like, I strategically say the kids I'm going to have here are all on probation. Dope. That's so lit, man. It was like you really couldn't say, like, yeah. so you, you're telling me that I'm approaching you to teach kids how to read and write through your album. And they are. That speaks about staying out of the And you really can connect with them. And they're in the system. And on top of that, I'm going to promote your shoes that are the reform Puma shoes and give all the kids there with press and Microsoft. Like, how could you really say no? Yeah, you just you set the whole play up. I set the whole play up, but I knew how like I knew how I really wanted to set everything up. So you you and this is important. This is a really important lesson that people really need to understand. Like when you're trying to get someone to do something for you, you cannot make it hard for them nah. to help you. Especially on someone like that caliber. No, for sure. No. For sure. Like literally anytime, anytime when you're trying to get something, especially if it's gonna save you money or save yeah. you time or make you look good, whatever it is, you cannot and I tell people this all the time, don't if if I help you, mm-hmm. if I give you my time, mm-hmm. Please do not make me work hard to help you. Yeah. Because I'm helping you. Yeah. So it, sh- it should never be that way. Yep. So we got him to stay a whole day after his his date. He had a, and I knew I could saw I saw in the dates like he came here February 25th and then his next show was the 28th or 27th. So mm-hmm. he, had a, he had a break. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, let's do it. The, let's do it like before his his concert. And they like, well, no, no, I'll stay an extra day. So he stayed that Sunday. And I got the mayor to open up City Hall for me on a Sunday. Because, bro, it was just, you got to think about Harris County. I had, to, I had the DA come. Yeah. Harris County is like one of the biggest counties in the country. Yeah, for sure. Face stuff. So it was just his prison reform platform was too big mm-hmm. to where it, was, it just made too much sense. Yeah, no, you, you set it up. You set that play up really good, bro. I, I knew once I did that, it was going to be easy for me to get any type of artist on that caliber <clears throat> or talk to other people in the world. Now, this is, now, I don't know if you know about this, but I always tell people this, and I put this in my book, case studies. Mm-hmm. What you just did was case study worthy. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people you should do case studies because it shows a problem. Mm-hmm shows how you creatively mm-hmm. are solving that problem mm-hmm. and then the results. So when you approach somebody else and you want to do this, you literally just, it's, it serves as two purposes. You, mm-hmm. It serves as, I've done this before. Mm-hmm. So just look, look at this case study. It also serves as a blueprint. So when you want someone else to do it, and you don't want to have to be able to over there sit, being a quarterback, and you want to be able to be the coach, mm-hmm. you just give this to somebody else and say, hey, look, we did this. This is how we did this. These are the results we did. These are the strategies we we did. And I tell people all the time, you know, agencies use it all the time to get right. bigger clients. Mm-hmm. You know, 
agencies use it all the time, but literally everybody kind of like needs to do case studies. And it's not a lot of writing involved. It's just literally putting your what you did <laughs> on paper. <laughs> That's literally what it is. So when you do effort. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really what it is. When you do go out there and you start uh, pitching to people, you can literally just say, "Hey, look." Yeah, and then you can imagine me adding him into my info deck and saying that now I work with Microsoft, Puma, Rock Nation, and it's been five months. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to be like, "Well, we got at least talk to him." Yeah, no, exactly. Like, you just got because he he's he's used to people. You're used to dealing with brands of that. That's the reason yeah. why I was telling you earlier. Yeah. You're used to dealing with brands of that magnitude. And a lot of times in the industry, in, in just the creative industry, period, like, like you won't get a look. Like, I just, just shot a digital spot for HEB in mm-hmm. a barbecue sauce. Mm-hmm. I probably would have never got that look had it not been for, uh, I had to do that, that, that I got, I had the owner of the barbecue sauce on my show. But, but people need to understand, like, in order to get, to do things like that, you gotta you gotta show and prove. No, and, no let's simplify that even more. <laughs> you have to be willing to do something for free. No, for sure, and, and that's what it, that's just originally what it is, it, originally that's what a case study is. Originally, that's what a case study is. So I did stuff for free for like damn near four or five years in yeah. the beginning, and 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 damn near for free when I did those restaurants when I first when I first started it. But at the end of the day. These case studies are there to show people that, you know, this is what you do. This is how I, I get it done. And I could do this same stuff that I did for this person. I could do it for you. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you do case studies, but that is something that you can easily do in the future. And even put it on your website so when people go there, they're like, oh, he's already done stuff yeah, like this. Yeah, so that's, you know what, that's what we get. So that's why I'm trying to get people to understand too, bro, like, because of how we market reading with a rapper, people thought like, oh man, I'm like, bro, we haven't even gotten into a school year. Like, whoa, wait. <laughs> so this is like be the first actual year where we do data-driven information with them. We're sh- they, we got it to where we share all the data with the school. They have to give us all the stuff back. And we can now say, because they're going to do a whole year. Mm-hmm. And we can say within a year we had this. So it's going to be 25 kids per each school for nine schools. And I, I strategically tell you, I want to keep the same group of kids for the whole year. Mm-hmm. That's so how you get some results. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to see everything from them. Because I already know, once I get that data back, oh, it's really bad. No, it's going to pop off. <laughs> it's a real it's, rap. Like, it's going to be popping off. I tell people metrics are something, I, I, and uh, I was talking uh, to my uh, colleague the other day, it's like, we get all this free earned media, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't put a price on it. Like nope. when you when, when the publicists get something, when the publicists get you on a, a a platform and they have to pay for it, they're gonna tell you how much uh, this would have cost because yeah. this is how much they saved you. And that's metrics. And I always tell people, uh, especially students, you know, marketing students, and I'm like, y'all gotta learn how, what are key KPIs, which is key performance indicators, which literally is nothing but like a, a like or or a, a post. Or it's it's nothing but metrics. So but keep that, in mind though, bro. Like with all this stuff, I, I said this the other day because me again, me and my girlfriend talk about everything. Yeah, like just business wise. And I was talking to her about like she had said something to me. She had brought up um, a situation that struck me to be like, I really hate when people try to give advice. On something they still need advice on. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So like, I still do not know, like, 
what the hell I'm doing. No, <laughs> like, no, like, no look, 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 look. I, I do, but to an extent, like, this I don't. Is, this know, is the beauty of well, it. I'm talking about, you know, when people be doing, like, oh, I'm about to do these coaching things. Yeah. I'm like, bro, come no, on. No, I bro. tell people all the time. And I have that same type of feeling in, inside of me. It's like, uh, I didn't want to write a book because it's like stripping yourself down naked and it's leaving every all of your thoughts open to pre- pretty pretty much everybody saying uh this is wrong right. this is this is not uh right or whatever it is so my whole thing is for the, for people that think that you don't have a a, a not a voice but s- your knowledge is meant knowledge is meant to be shared. Right, absolutely. That's just for sure. But I don't want to give you knowledge on something I'm still sharpening because Well, no, that's the beauty of it. I'm going to tell you why the beauty of it because okay. the beauty of knowledge is, is that it's forever changing. So like if if I give you some I never even in my book I said I I said I'm not the end all be all. And I, I simply said that. I simply said like I I'm, I'm not that. Yeah. I, the information that I that helped me mm-hmm. might not help you, but I would be remiss and if I didn't even if I didn't even attempt. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want people to be like. No, hold it. You can't. You can't tell somebody how to get out the bed if you still ain't. No, no, no. Not tell people. I say none of the advice I give you in this book will help you if you don't get off your ass. I said those exact words. I said none of the advice or none of the uh, uh, the stories or anything I give you will help you if you don't literally apply it. Right. Uh, my whole thing is, I mean, I have the same. I have the same thing because you don't want to be the reason that someone fails but you're not going to be the reasons to someone not, you know you're yeah. not you know that's in your head when you're giving out this information or when somebody asks you to speak to some kids or when somebody says maybe you should do coaching or any somebody people has told me that all the time but my whole thing is is like i'm a realist and i tell people all the time like i can give you some tips advice I, but that's the reason why i start from practicality right because practicality is about practice right so practicality is about facts Right. <laughs> it's not about the fluff of inspiration. So I don't ever tell people, uh, I'm not trying to inspire nobody. I don't really give a damn about sp- inspiring you. Like you, if you black in America, look outside. That should be enough. But if, if if you looking for me to inspire you, I'm not. That's not what I'm there for. I'm here to tell you that. Look, in order to get to point A, how I got there was I did this and I did that and I did this. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got there. Maybe right. if you do the same thing, you might get there. But you maybe might, yeah. you, you. So I'm about practicality. Yeah. And I, I, uh, that's the reason why I started this podcast. That's the reason why I wrote the book. And that's the reason why I'm trying to do some. Uh, I'm trying to do some extremely rare right now, and it's it's going through. I'm going through so much, and I will tell you off air, but it, it's really real. And so everything is revolved around that, but. I mean, we we got to tell our story, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Because uh, we got to control our narrative. Yeah. I just don't want to, because it gets so diluted. No, for sure. Now it is, because you see everybody, you see the uh, the commercials on uh, YouTube, uh, somebody telling you, <laughs> you know, you can do this. Uh, you know, say it starts off like this. Hey, guys, this. <laughs> it, yeah, it's like that yeah. and just like, I know my peer group. I'm like, bro. Until you have achieved full success in what you're trying to tell people, don't because you, you're gonna be you're setting everybody up to get in the boat to sink. Yeah. If you well, if you don't tell people, this is what I don't like because it's it's I'm so, as if like you like you you've mastered. Yeah. It. No. Th- th- this is why I don't like. I don't like when people 
that that's the that's the, that's social media. That yeah. that's like social media. It's like telling people that. Uh, but you know what? I just like I hate when people don't show their jobs yeah. on social media. They they make it seem like they're just living this life and you're not working. Yeah, and I'm like that. That's that's that that that's the analogy that I be telling people. Like, look, if I tell you all the stuff I do. I, I'm I'm just super transparent. As just that's just how I am. So I have really that's really not no shame in in my game. But at the end of the day, that right there, people will tell you the good stuff mm-hmm. and not tell you the bad stuff or not show you the bad stuff. But that's just how this this. But those people literally sink. They always sink. I always see that they sink. And so, but what you're doing is is important. That's the reason why I got you on this podcast because it's like you've achieved something. Mm-hmm. And you and you know you and I, I know you so you, you know you're not at that level that you want to be at but the level that you are at now mm-hmm. there's somebody right now thinking damn if I could just get there. <laughs>